Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. In the human understanding, truth is a kind of a philosophy, a kind of a theory. But from the point of God, from God's perspective, truth is is more than just a concept. God's truth is a person, and His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already established that Christ came to give us more than just an additional concept compared to that of Moses, compared to that of Buddha, compared to that of Muhammad, let's say. Christ came to bring us something way more than another teaching. He came to bring the reality of God to us and to substantiate and make authentic and genuine and real within us that which is true from God's perspective. But we know that after Christ's ascension, the man, Jesus Christ, was no longer with us. And he left us and imparted to us his very breath, the Holy Spirit. And you may be wondering, is the Holy Spirit similar to Christ? Will he have a similar ministry? Christ ministered to us the reality of God. Will the Holy Spirit do something else? Will the Holy Spirit just entertain us, sensationalize us, impress us? The answer is yes. You can expect a similar ministry from the Holy Spirit that you received from the man Jesus Christ. Christ came and made God real to you. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and make the person and the work and the accomplishments of Jesus Christ of Nazareth likewise real to you. In John 14, in John 15, and John 16, Jesus repeatedly calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth, that is, the Spirit of reality. Notice John 16 and verse 13, Jesus says that when the Spirit of truth, that is, the Spirit of reality, when He comes, He's going to guide you into all of the truth. He's going to guide you into all of the reality. We erroneously think that the Holy Spirit is here to entirely disclose to me the mind of God, the knowing of God, the wisdom and foreknowledge of God. Kind of like we might receive from a Google all these facts. We think that the Holy Spirit is here to lead me into all of the facts of God. And truth be known, Even with the Holy Spirit, there's still a lot of mystery in God. So, no, the Holy Spirit did not just come to give you more concepts and more truths. The Holy Spirit came to lead you into reality and to make God the Father, God the Lord Jesus Christ and His accomplishments real to you. That is, to make grace, forgiveness, love, mercy, peace righteousness, justice, to make fellowship and walking with God real to you. 
The Holy Spirit is not just here to entertain us and to be a kind of a Google. You punch in a kind of a query or a a request and somehow the Holy Spirit is just going to spit it out at you and boom, that's his work. Now, the Holy Spirit has come to make God real to you, make Christ real to you, just the way Jesus made Abba God real, because he was the way, the reality, and the life of Abba God. Let's dig a little bit deeper and ask ourselves this question. Have we received the proper work of the Holy Spirit in making Jesus and his accomplishments real to us? Or is the Holy Spirit, again, just a kind of a force, a kind of a theory that, yeah, gives us knowledge versus reality? In verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may be with you forever. And then Jesus defines this coming one, this comforting one. Verse 17 is so beautiful. The one who is coming to you, verse 17, is the spirit of truth. That word really is the word reality. It's the spirit who realizes the nature of God into you. The spirit of truth. So let me ask you this question. Who has the Holy Spirit? How comforted are you? What's the comfort zone? Oh, let's talk about that. What is he going to do? Minister to you the heart of God, the compassion of God, the forgiveness of God. We all struggle on this earth. Who's your hope? That's the spirit that ministers the reality of God's heart to us. So you just have to check. How comforted are you? When all our friends forsake us and things go wrong in our life, do we not shake a fist at God and say, where in the world were you? Instead, there's a better way. If God is my reality, you're constantly under God's comforting ministry. Because you do suffer. You do struggle. We do despair, do we not? And there's God with grace and reality ministering freedom to you, comfort to you. So what's your experience? Offense? A hardened heart? A kind of a wondering of God even hears me? That just means you're not in the spirit. The spirit of truth, reality, ministers comfort to you. Notice here, the world cannot receive. Oh, by the way, if you and I live and act according to the course of this world, you will not experience the spirit of reality. The spirit of reality is for those who through the Christ live in God and allows God to live in them. If you're worldly, you will not receive the spirit of reality. That's why for many Christians, 
so in love with the world, God is just absent, distant, abstract, and not reality. So the Spirit doesn't come to the worldliness. He comes to the divineness in you. The Spirit in you. You and I live all earthly, just worldly. You will not experience the spirit of reality. It says, because it does not behold Him or know Him. But you know Him because He abides with you and shall be in you. Christ is in you. The Father is in you. The Spirit is in you. Not as a theory. Not as an argument. Not as a debate. As reality. He who has God in such a capacity experiences freedom. Amen. How do you guys get free from all your shenanigans? And I know you've got them. I'm not too worried about it. We're not going to declare war on our sin. All you've got to learn to do is confess. Don't declare war. Just confess. And then, let's get out of the realm of pictures and theories and conjecture and hypotheses. And let's get into hosting the ghost. And let grace supply me with the virtue to live out the freedom. That is the New Testament gospel. Last few verses. Look at chapter 15. Verse 26. Chapter 15. But when the Comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, that word is the spirit of reality who proceeds from the Father. He will testify concerning me. And you testify also because from the beginning you've been with me. The spirit of reality. Why do some of us struggle to even say the name Jesus? Praise and boast, declare the name of Jesus. Testify. We're so afraid. What's going on? The spirit of reality does not have a life in you. So now I've got to teach you evangelism tricks. How to confront people. And when they say this answer, I've got this answer. It's purely an intellectual battle. And if I win over you intellectually and you raise your hand and bow your knee and close your eyes, then that's it. I count you now as born again. So you become a part of a statistic. We let 600 people to the Lord. Very few people receive the spirit of reality. We use Jesus as the way, the truth, the life as an argument to twist people and coerce and force them into the kingdom. Is this how you want to lead people to Jesus? On an argument? 
then it's going to take an argument to keep them in Jesus. It's going to take an argument to free them from stuff. The means by which you lead them to Jesus, if it's the spirit of reality, then they're going to live in the spirit of reality. You lead them through manipulation, it's going to take manipulation to keep them in Jesus. You try to convince them, it's going to keep convincing, take convincing to keep them. You get what I'm saying? Kind after it's kind. You're born of Christ? Really? Then Christ keeps you. You're born of sin consciousness exclusively? It's gonna, you're going to live in sin consciousness. Like, however you come in, it's almost the way that you live. You come in because of reality. An ache for intimacy and belonging. Oh, that's the way you're going to live. How did you come into the kingdom? Somebody forced you. It's going to take force to keep you in the kingdom. Be careful how you do evangelism. Spirit of reality will cause you to testify. Not your clever argument and colors and approaches. It has merit, but not to the exclusion of Christ being a testimony in you, in reality. That's the gospel, saints. Again, it says here in chapter 16, verse 13, Verse 12, I've got many things to say to you, but I, I cannot do that because you can't bear it now. You don't have the capacity to really hear what I have to say right now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. That is, when the Spirit of reality comes, will guide you into reality. So there's a principle here in John's Gospel. Jesus is not a mantra. He's not a slogan. He's not a bumper sticker. He's not a fish eating another fish. He's not a philosophy. He's not a teacher. He's God wanting to be real to you in His Spirit. This is the way John presents it. And the reason we love the Gospel of John is because we ache for this reality. But we just contend for truth, thinking, gosh, if people can just get to truth. So we have big books on apologetics, and we, we contend for the faith and the truth. If I can just convince you. No, no, no. The spirit of reality is what God wants to do. Now there is a place to defend the truth, speak the truth, explain the truth. Even I am contending for the truth this morning. But let's go deeper than that. I have a parrot at my house. And I trained my parrot to believe the truth, even speak the truth. I trained Polly there, and I told him, Jesus is Lord. So I recorded it, put it in a cassette player, put repeat. Sorry, the CD, new generation. Sorry, sorry, newer generation, the MP4. Just push repeat. So Polly, every day, he just listens to the truth. It's awesome. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I did not record Satan is Lord, Buddha is Lord. I recorded the truth. Yeah? Jesus is Lord, right? So after, you know, like seven months, I took the cassette player away. Sorry, the MP3 player. Next thing you know, Polly starts saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's in the truth. Because he says so. Isn't that beautiful? 
Somebody comes into the house and says, Buddha is Lord. No, no, says Polly. Jesus is Lord. He had been converted. He's in the truth. Isn't that awesome? Even though my parrot all day long says, Jesus is Lord, would you say that in his inner nature, he is transformed? Would you say God is a reality to my parrot? Would you say God lives inside my parrot? Even if a parrot says the right thing, he's not in the reality. He's just in the right slogan. And I fear lest you, through your culture, You've been trained with a cassette player, your parents, your teachers. Jesus is Lord, and so you just say, Jesus is Lord. But there's no reality of His Lordship, of His cross, of His glory, of His life. You're still just you with the right saying instead of crucified and Christ living. So you have to search your heart and don't get so giddy when people say Jesus is Lord. It's not about the right man mantra. It's about reality. And that's why Christ came. To deal with your sin. Why? So that you can come into God and God into you. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So how free are you? Y'all have struggles. I'm not so worried about the struggles. Those struggles go so naturally, so spontaneously when the Lord becomes your reality. But if you stay in the same habits and all these natural things for the remainder of your life, then you're no better than Polly, who say the right thing, but you're so far from the reality. Yeah? Reevaluate your experiences. Do you know the truth? And has it gone to work to produce wholeness and freedom in you? the way that John says it should. I spend a lot of time throughout every year looking into church history. Quite frankly, I am fascinated how we got to where we are today. And I can tell you this much, we are not 2,000 years past the apostles because they propagated just another kind of a theory. Those men and those women of the first century, they did not give away their lives for a kind of a concept or a theory. God was real to them, as real as the very air that they breathed. The work of Jesus was so prevailing in their life, the peace that they had with God, the good conscience that they had before God, that the forgiveness and the cleansing and the washing and the regeneration, 
These were not mere concepts to those early Christians. These were facts. These were realities. And from that reality, they testified. And from that reality, 2,000 years later, you and I still call on the name of Jesus Christ. We don't just call on another bumper sticker or another kind of a, an idea or some, some fancy of our imagination. We say that Jesus is real, and I may not be able to explain him well. I may not even be able to understand the scriptures all that well, but I can tell you I was blind. And I can see. I was lame and I can walk. I was a coward and in, in fear, and now I'm brave and I can live and I have hope. We don't say these things because somebody brainwashed us. We don't see these things because we just read it in a book and try to copy the first century people. Reality is what has been prevailing throughout the past 2,000 years. For 2,000 years, many folk have fought regarding certain truths. They've killed in the name of truth, and they have disassociated and have become sectarian and denominational even in the name of truth. But we are not here because... The first century people were just folk of t-shirts and tattoos and bumper stickers and fridge magnets of truth. We are here because they passed on to us the seed of reality. They died because they loved God. And they knew that they knew that they knew that they knew they were loved likewise of God. I want to submit to you those first century folk stand out in church history to be the role models of what a life with God should really look like. If you can read, if you can write, if you can study, that's all good and well, but not at the expense of God being real to us. I see so many of us that explain God, so many of us who study God, and yet God cannot become real to us. The, the concepts, they, they, they stay concepts. But Christ has come to make the Father real to us, to make Abba our Daddy. The Holy Spirit has come to make the Word of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the person and the life real to us. I want to ask you today, how real is God to you? The comfort, the teaching of God, the truths of God, have they become the very fabric of your being? Is the Holy Spirit taking you deeper into those truths from glory to glory, deeper into that transformation from glory to glory? Are the things of God becoming more real to you? And then bottom line, will you be able, will you be willing to give your life for that truth, that is, that reality.